When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome again, fight fans, to another episode of BTR Boxing Podcast with me, your host, Sean Basto. And this is Once to Watch, it's Series 3, Episode 2, and today's guest is 16-2 professional fighter, Freddie Kuwait. Now, Freddie's got a really, truly compelling story. Originally born in Liberia, he then moved over to Germany as a youngster, competed and the German amateur scene, and then eventually moved over and currently resides in London, where he finished his amateur career and started his professional career. And in this episode, we're going to get to hear a lot about what it was like for him growing up, moving from one country, learning about a new country, then moving to another country, and learning about what the culture is there, and being able to embrace it, and being able to get involved in the amateur side of the sport in different countries is, is something that... I don't think a lot of people have that experience of. So it was really good to hear his story and and find a little bit more out about that. But also, he's one or two wins away from potentially putting himself in prime position to fight for a world title. So for me, this is why he is one to watch and why I'm glad to get him on the episode. So I'm excited to let people listen to the story of Freddie and find out a little bit more about him and find out the the struggles he's had to go through to get where he is and, and still to where he wants to go. So I hope you really, really enjoy this episode. But before we get into it, of course, you need to go and try and find us on social media. Easy. We're on social media, Twitter, BTR Boxing Pod. Follow us on there. Get all the latest episodes and updates on there. Facebook, BTR Boxing Podcast. We've got the page on there. You can check us out, get all the latest updates and episodes uh, and upcoming events in the future for BTR Boxing Podcast. If you've not already subscribed to the podcast, then please go and do it because it really helps us. When you leave a rating and you leave a review for us, it not only makes us very, very proud to know that people are really enjoying what we do, but then it also gives the opportunity for other people out there to hear and listen and see what we're actually doing away from the mainstream media and actually give us the opportunity to to go out there to all these great fans that want to listen to podcasts like this. So please keep doing that. Keep sharing it across social media. If you want to subscribe, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Stitcher, Spreaker, Player FM, and even Spotify as well. If you want to listen to us on YouTube, we're on Eat Sleep Boxing Repeats YouTube channel as well. Right, let's bring Freddie into the conversation then. This is episode number two of series three for ones to watch with Freddie Kuit. Freddie, it's great to have you on yeah. this episode of yeah. ones to watch. Thanks so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. No, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. And um, today we're going to be talking about. We're going to be talking about your journey through boxing and and also why you would be one to watch for 2019-2020. So I think 
the best place to start is at the beginning and for you to share your story of, of how it was you got into boxing. Yeah, so basically um, I started boxing quite late. Um, I started boxing when I was about 18 years um, and I was in Germany. I used to I used to live in Germany before I grew up there. Um, and yeah, I was I was with a couple of mates. Uh, I used to play football and we wanted to go over... Um, to see how how the conditioning side is, and we heard it's, it's quite tough. Um, I also had an injury, so I really couldn't continue any much longer playing football. So we went there, and uh, after that, I never really looked back. Um, I never got pushed that that hard, and that was something I, I really wanted to to do, really. And um, yeah, like I said, I never I never looked back, and um, the journey continued from there. So, when you was growing up, was you a fan of the sport at all? Um, yeah, I think it was from around 16 years old. I was kind of looking looking sometimes at some boxing fights. Um, in Germany, there were only like the Klitschko's at uh, this time. So, I was looking at that one and then I got got um, into Roy Jones a little bit and, and Ali. And then from there, it just went off. By the time I was 18, I was... I was in love with boxing. So you, you obviously, as as people might not be aware, uh, you're actually you, you're of German nationality, but you was originally born in Liberia, and now you currently reside in London. Yeah, correct. Yeah. So you've had a bit of a, a bit of a tra- bit of travel going on throughout your your, your early life. Um, did that ever? Did that traveling, that moving around, did that ever disrupt your, your goals and your aspirations? No, I think it just it just made it stronger, really. Um, Honestly, I was I was born in Liberia. That was and I was in the civil war. And growing up in in Germany as 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 a black or mixed race child is, is is you know a lot of bullying. And I got four brothers as well, so kind of knew how to fight anyway. Um, and um, yeah, after after I went to the gym, I, I had that dream to be to become a professional boxer. That was like my ultimate ultimate goal to become a. Um, professional boxer and um i think a couple of like two years later i had the opportunity to go to the uk and um yeah it just went off i went as i continued my amateur career in, in the uk uh till somebody saw me fighting um and i was actually that was on tv actually it was a uh, i got asked on the on the same day uh to join in because somebody in my weight class got sick so i was fighting um because i used to live in devon before as well so uh i for um also the, the trainer i was i was fighting with um he was a former gb coach so so he trained me then and um so he had a good connection he said okay freddie you want to come tonight fight um southern, southern area team against the british army and it was all televised it was um from from hatton tv ricky hatton he had this program going on there so we went up there uh, to bristol and uh, everybody lost that day from from the southern area team I, um, apart from me, and I stopped the guy as well. And that was the, the really the turning point where people say, "Oh, who's that kid? He, he can fight. Uh, let him let him turn pro. Love offers." And and that was for me. Say, "Oh, I'm, I'm that good." And um, yeah, and trained trained like a maniac after that, and uh, turned professional. I think about 
one or two years later. So, obviously, being of German nationality, was there certain fighters you looked up to uh, at the time? Obviously, I know the Klitschko's were, were obviously based themselves a lot in Germany, although they were originally from Ukraine. They, they were very adored by the German fans, but obviously there was a lot of other fighters around during the period you started your career, like, obviously, your Arthur Abrahams, your Felix Sturms, uh, you know, these, these are the types of guys people were looking up to. Were these the sort of aspirations for you, you know, looking up to these fighters and thinking, you know, look at these guys winning world titles, this is where I want to go? Um, not really. I didn't, I didn't, I, I didn't kind of like that German style anyway. I, I, I more weren't interested in the, the American style, like just the, the skillful, the slick. So I was really looking more into um, Roy Jones Jr. and um, I, lo- I love Muhammad Ali and I'm more like, yeah, like more in the American fighters and um, I kind of adapted that style from them. I remember going also, like always in the in the amateur clubs and, and the people were telling me, oh, put your hands up, put your hands up. And I always had my hands low. Um, but I got away with it when because I had good eyes and, and, and speed. But I never really, I never really looked up to like, like the German style fighters. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I never really did that. Yeah, it's very, it's a very sort of upright stance, isn't it? The, you know, the Americans yeah. label uh, label any European fighter as, you know, it's all a European stance. You know, very tight guard, very upright, and, and obviously you totally different, contrary to to the grain, really, uh, to, to to what your natural sort of German fighter would be. Um, and your yeah. and your and your alias is obviously down as pretty boy. Um, is is that yeah. a is that a sort of is that Towards like Floyd Mayweather, is that you know that style, that sort of slick boxing style? No, I got I got that name actually in 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 Devon in the in the gym there um, where where um, moving out of Germany. Um, it's because I used to. Uh, it's funny, I used to do my exercises. So they told us to do some shadow box and do your stuff, and I always used to do it in the mirror. And um, I always looked at myself because I wanted to make it look perfect. So they always said, "No, move away from the mirror. You're standing too much, too long in front of the mirror, <laughs> uh, pretty boy." So I, I got that name from there. And then also, when I used to fight, I didn't really get hit. So they said, oh, you you quite pretty looking for a boxer. And when you come <laughs> out, you, you kind of look the same. So um, that was the, the name they gave me. So from that point on, I was, I was pretty boy. So I got that name actually in the amateurs. And what was it like when you transitioned into the amateur side? I know you touched a little bit on that earlier on, but what accomplishments did you come out of the amateur side of the sport with? Well, uh, I didn't have that many amateur fights. I think uh, up to fifteen fights only. But um, because I was when I was eight, I was eighteen when I started. So um, I was going straight into the like, with the guys that had much more fights than me. Um, so I remember I had only a couple of fights. I won the the um, the German championship. Um, then I went. Uh, I think a year or two years later, I won the uh, international tournament. Denmark won a gold medal and so I was fighting guys that had like 100 fights where I had like I don't know seven fights or something and um, then I went to the UK and I went to the uh, to the ABAs as well um, so I didn't have that many amateur fights but I had really good experience and I think it's also the, the amateur club I was in uh, in, in Germany in in uh, in Devon, I think that made me um, develop so much faster. So you moved into the professional side of the sport back in 2013. So you've currently been a pro for six years. What was the difference like from from the amateur style to going into the professional side of the sport? Uh, it wasn't that much of a difference because because most people said when I fought, I said, "Oh, you you kind of like 
fight more in the pro style anyway because um I, I was i was moving a lot but not like in and out more like side to side and and um i was the longer the fight the better for me anyway so they said oh i think your your style probably suits more the pros anyway and i love i love before i love to show off and do things and i, and I couldn't do that in the amateur but i said no i think it's um it didn't really took that long i think i, I trained um for an, i think up to a year literally every day because uh, i wanted it so bad and and um to 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 turn professional so the first few fights the first say two years of your career obviously you spent going around the southern area of of the uk fighting against different journeymen what experiences did you pick up and was there any instances where you had, you know you say you had a real real good night and then there was, was there any instances where you had a really off night um well, I think the the first couple of fights, the first ten fights were pretty easy. I think because um, yeah, mainly I was fighting journeyman. Um, I think there was one fight I kind of stepped up uh, against Ryan Toms. I think it was my sixth fight or something like that. Um, and I went up in weight as well. Um, I think that was that was probably the toughest of of my first ten fights because um, he had he had more experience than me. Um, but then going up after that, then I think I fought. Uh, for the for English title eliminator against Akeem Brown, but fought that at one forty at at super lightweight, and that was just a very bad idea. I should never have done this because I was very weak. I can't even remember half of the fight. I was very weak going into that fight, um, and that was that was which which really killed me after that because I was really like down after the fight. Because before, obviously, when you when you beat beating bums your confidence is so so high because you think oh you can you can beat anyone and then uh yeah i, I thought i'm gonna go in and and, and destroy him and uh, it didn't really work out that way because i was i was really weak i was really uh weaker that day of fight really slow sluggish and so that was the the, the kind of wake-up call i think no it isn't that easy than you thought um after that i recruit i fought the southern area against eric Oching, um which was a really very good win i stopped him um, he'd never been KO'd before as well um, so that was a good thing and then I fought Louis Green after to defend my title uh, I had a very bad camp um, I was I was on holiday even when they told me I had a fight very bad management as well um, and uh, I, be, I still believe or like many people that saw that fight I still believe I won that fight uh, I, I believe I won that fight book and I never got the decision. And that was actually the, the, the point where I thought, oh, I, I just want to stop boxing now. I thought, um, so why, why should I go through all this and and, and uh, yeah, and, and don't get rewarded on the end? So that was actually the, the, the point where I wanted to stop boxing. So how difficult was it to establish yourself? You know, like I said, you were based in Germany mainly. You came over, you fought the rest of your amateur career in the UK. You turned professional in the UK. You had a couple of fights, obviously, on uh, undercards in germany but how did you find it any, any difficulty in actually establishing yourself as 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 a brand as a as a fighter in the uk you know getting that support to be able to cover the cost of the opponents you know selling the tickets how difficult was that for you when you started out yes it's, it's very difficult still is very difficult um because i'm not from the uk originally even though i've been living here quite a long time now um and i was living in, in devon before then i moved to london so you kind of change the fan base as well. So you're going to start from, from scratch again. I don't even know that many people to sell like all these hundreds of tickets. Um, 
so then I had to go take the the harder fights, the fifty fifty fights, or to to come as a way fighter. Um, and I think it's that, yeah, that, that that's quite quite difficult for me. Uh, uh, yeah, it's kind of to be the always the the outsider. Um, and even though in, in Germany, because I'm not hundred percent German, also it's always quite difficult to to kind of sell yourself somewhere. Even even though I speak German, I was fighting on the Southland undercard, and every time they spoke to me English, they thought I'm from America or something like that. Um, uh, so it was always quite difficult uh, wherever I am actually to 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 sell myself. So going back to the obviously the Akeem Brown fight and the Lewis Green fight, where you picked up the two losses on your record, you you sort of touched briefly on you know what had happened in them fights and and sort of circumstances surrounding it. I mean, firstly the Akeem Brown fight, obviously you moved down a weight naturally, fighting at welterweight, going down to super lightweight to to contest for the title. Uh, what what was the decision based on going down to super lightweight was it because it was an opportunity to to obviously fight a guy who was undefeated and on the way up like yourself well my my team at that time thought um i should go down weight because i don't lose enough weight to to be a welterweight i'm, I'm actually a big welterweight um and i don't had to lose that much weight because i was always training so if i'm always training there's no need to lose that weight because i'm always in shape so i actually I think I normally lose about a stone, six kilos. Uh, so they wanted me to lose 10. And I always had that in the back of my head. I thought, oh, maybe I, I can do it. Maybe. And that time I was training with um, Richard Comey as well, um, who's now the IBS lightweight world champion. He was yeah. walking almost around the same weight as me. And he was fought, fighting lightweight. So they thought, oh, I should go down to super light at least. Um, and they said, let's fight for the English title. Let's, let's, let's fight Akeem. I should have fought, fought somebody else actually for the, the fight, and that guy had a, something was going on, so he could fight me. Um, so um, then we had to reschedule, and then I fought Akeem Brown. Um, and I think it was it was just a bad idea. I should never I should never had to go down. I was always a welter or super welterweight. Um, going down, it was just a nightmare to make that weight. It was just horrible. So do you think, like, if, if an opportunity came along again where there was a lot of money involved, regardless of the fact, would you then still make the decision not to go down weight again? Yeah, even people, like, said, oh, but if you get a big chance, like, for big money, would you not do it? I said, nah, this, and it, that was the most horrible experience cutting that so much weight. Because um, I had... I was like I said, I was always quite cut anyway. So to le- to lose so much water weight, um, it was just I, I, sh- I should have never even thought about doing that. And after the fight, even all my kidneys and all that was swollen. The, the, the doctor said I, sh- I, sh- I should never have done that. And even though my my old team still disputed. They think, oh no, I, I just didn't got my rhythm right, but I don't think it was that. I think it was just, it just I was very, very weak. I'm well, even surprised I finished the fight. Well, this is it. You know, it's very dangerous, and people don't really appreciate what you guys go through to to make weight in general. But then to try and cut that extra seven pounds off between the divisions for a guy that's already you know got a low body fat percentage as it is is very very dangerous i mean the amount of times we've seen videos around social media you know not just in boxing but in in, in the mma world where you're seeing guys yeah, literally yeah. literally being carried onto the scales to get weighed in and then carried off it's just it's just not right so obviously that was a massive learning curve for you you know obviously <laughs> having that loss and then and then like the second loss you know to lewis green it was a very very close fight you know it was one point in that fight 
fight. So literally, you only lost that yeah. fight by essentially what was scored one round different. So if that opportunity ever came up again, would would that be something you would you be interested in? That? Or are you now looking further forward, given what you've done since that fight in your career? Yeah, always. Like I think uh, we we uh, we. Uh... Uh, wrote the the British Boxing Board of Control after that um, said we at least we should have get a rematch. Uh, he didn't want it to have the rematch, um, but I love somehow I still want my revenge just to make it a right on my record. But um, he he lost um, for another uh, against Larry Akindaya for the IBF European. So he's uh, unless he got something or he's getting up there now, um, we're fighting him. Otherwise, I don't I don't know if it's if it's really worth fighting him if he's, um, unless he's on the way up really just before we move on in Freddie's story I just want to take a quick moment to give a shout out to the sponsors for this podcast it's Bear Attack Boxing producing high quality boxing gloves and equipment you can find them on their website at www.bearattackboxing.co.uk they have the fight pro one gloves they have the bear attack boxing t-shirts the inner hand wraps the normal hand wraps all different varieties and different colors of products that they've got out there and as always if you've been listening to the podcast for a while or you're a new listener there is a discount code for you it's btr10 Enter it at the checkout to get 10% off your basket and go and follow them on social media and check out the latest products, the latest news, what they're doing, who they're sponsoring, what they're doing for fighters in the sport. You can find them on all social media channels at Bear Attack Boxing. So let's get back into the episode and listen to the story of Freddie Kuit. Well, let's move forward and look at the last year and a half of your career because arguably now this is where the most success is, has come to date with obviously the victories. After losing to Louis Green, you come back, you beat obviously Germani Camaro uh, and Frank Dozose. And then, the, the, for me, the biggest win of your career to date is obviously beating Paddy Gallagher to win the vacant WBO European welterweight title earlier this year. And, and you know, I, I will say it was a really impressive performance from you and that's just going to show like what you were saying earlier about the slick skills that you had and and I watched the fight and I was personally really impressed with it so you know that's where I feel now you're starting to make that name for yourself and as I said before we started talking today in this conversation it's like you're only one fight or or two fights away for for pushing yourself into contention to to fight for a world title yeah um yeah thank you um yeah 100%. Hundred um, percent, and and that's why I think sometimes you know these two losses on my record is kind of also a blessing um, because if I would have been like um, undefeated, I probably would never got asked uh, for the fight. So um, when I got offered that fight, um, I took it straight away because I I knew I can I can beat them um, because I meant to fight uh, when I fought uh, Camaro. I actually meant to fight. Um, Tam- Tamuka Mucha for the uh, English title. So he pulled out two days before, and then I start, and then I fought um, Camaro. That was actually so. That that was that was the thing. Uh, after the green fight, I thought that's it. I don't want to. I don't want to continue anymore. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna quit. At this time, I was meeting one guy. His name is Lee Manuel, who's now my trainer, and um, he used to be a, a fighter back then as well. So he kind of he stopped boxing for six years for teaching boxing. Had nothing to do with boxing anymore because he had a really bad career. He had 
he had kind of struggled the same. He was born in Liberia, grew up in Ghana, um, started boxing in Spain, and fought all over the world, basically. Um, so when I met him, I, I, we were looking for, like, a, we wanted to do a boxing program in Liberia um, to re- introduce boxing there, really. So um, I was looking for trainers um, that could that could come for us. And then I saw on Facebook that he is based in in London. So I, I called him and I spoke to him and we got in touch and he said, um, we spoke and he said, no, uh, he said, I mean, we, we, we met up one day for like a session and when he saw me shadow boxing, he said, oh, you, you're going to be world champion. And I said, what do you mean? I said, you got everything. You got the speed, you got the power. Um, you just need to have the right guidance now. And, and, and he, he kind of motivated me to, to continue because he said he'd been in that place and he got cheated. He got asked two days notice and, and, um, and he, he kind of, um, yeah, motivated for me to start, uh, boxing again, continue boxing again. And I did the same to him as well. So, so kind of we teamed up. Um, so I put him back into coaching and he put me back into, into fighting and, um, that was um that was really the turning point because he's he's very um religious so he kind of threw all his titles away he won the european title african titles um uh, etc all the titles he had he, he threw in the bin back then and he said he don't he, he want to be the champion champion of the bible basically so he didn't want to have anything to do with boxing anymore he thinks it's a criminal sport and uh, a, and he lost a lot of time doing that so he want to be uh, just working for god now basically yeah. so uh, um when when I met him, um, it was it was just it, we just um, it was it was just um, stick together straight away and um, yeah so he, we we trained together. Um, I meant to fight Mucha for the uh, English title fight. Um, the fight never got happened. So then I fought uh, Camaro um, after that because uh, I had the, my management issue going on for the last couple of years after that, and he was stealing money and 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 doing. I doing so many bits, so I thought, you know what, I don't want to... I made a fight for the English title after that, because it was vacant then. Um, but I thought, you know what, I, there's so much going on. I'd never really get the money I deserve for the fights, if I even get money. Um, so I, I let my contract run out, and then I start fresh again. So I didn't fight for about 10 months, and then my trainer Lee um, got me a fight in Ghana, actually. So that was basically my comeback fight, um, and after that, came, comeback got straight an offer for um, MTK to fight against Gallagher, and I, I took it straight away. Um, I think it was five weeks in, and um, yeah, and then we beat Gallagher basically. So this is what's really sort of led you on to where you're at at the moment. Obviously, now you got that victory, and I think you know, argue, arguably, I think people, you know. Give Gallagher more of a chance to actually win that fight than they did you at that yeah, point was, in time. Yeah, it was. He was the. I was the underdog in that fight. They, I heard so many people say that he's gonna go in, he's gonna stop me, and I just, I just knew uh, I, I'll beat him. I, I just, I just knew it. And um, our our styles really matched as well, though. To be honest, um, I was more the boxer. He was more the aggressor. So it, it matched really well. Um, even though I don't think it was my best performance, I still done enough to win. Even though the the the, the judges uh, scoring was quite quite um, funny. But um, yeah, the main thing I, I I got the win and and I moved forward from then. So. Obviously, your latest fight, the fight that he was involved with most recently, was in July, and it was back in Ghana, in Accra, and you fought for the vacant African Boxing Union welterweight title, getting that victory via TKO. So, 
the fact that obviously you was born in Liberia, does that automatically then give you uh, the, the the opportunity to be able to challenge for African titles? Definitely, yeah. So that was the that was the reason we we we, we got that fight. Um, and for me, it was more something I always wanted to do. Anything that my my dad's from um, from Germany, my mom's from Liberia. So I always had that um, in the back of me. I want I really want to like have an African and new European title. That was like always something I wanted to aim for. Um, and and now I got it. I, I I thought, okay, let me just let me just move on because I think um, um the the be- the bigger fights I get, the, the the better I perform on it as well. So you've got another fight lined up for November this year. Just tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, so that would be uh, that was just a stay busy fight. Um, uh, would be in just an eight rounder, but that would be in Denmark. It actually, won't won't be that far from my hometown in Germany where I grew up. So I hope I'll get a lot of support from them. Um, because after this, I'll be fighting for the WBO Global one, um, which uh, Luther Clay just won in Italy. So that would actually be a really, really good fight between you two, because uh, obviously I've I have spoke to Luther. Luther's been on the original series of of ones to watch, and obviously I've seen him go over there to Italy last week and pick up that title in a in a pretty good performance. And you know, you get this stay busy fight out of the way, and that gives you the opportunity uh, in twenty twenty to to fight for that title. And then that's where you know, should you win that fight, that's when you're really starting to hit you know the the, the bigger heights of, of of the rankings in the in the division. And that's where the opportunities start to come for you as well. So, you know, it's 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 really good how after everything you've kind of gone through, you know, with the ups and downs, that you, you you've got yourself to a point now where you, like I said earlier, one or two fights away from putting yourself into that prime position, really. But so, something that I wanted to talk about with you, Freddie, is what you mentioned earlier. You were talking about what you're doing in Liberia, bringing boxing to Liberia. Just talk to me a little bit more and just explain what it is you're actually doing yeah so basically i always had this um growing up that if my dad wouldn't have took us out to go to germany we would have probably still been in Liberia, and i could have been we could have been dead we could have been um charged uh, soldiers and or whatever so i always thought well i had i was blessed to come out of the country at this um at this time so i feel like i always have to give something back whichever i've learned here I want to give back to them. So my my gift is, is boxing. So I thought, we, you know, I want to give boxing back. Boxing has changed my life to the better. And I think if, especially because it's an individual sport, so the, whatever you put in is what you get out. So you can change your life with hard work and dedication. And um, that, that was one thing we wanted to do, like to empower people, that, especially in Liberia, that 70% of the population is under 25 years old. Um we had the the war, then we had Ebola. So there's there's love, young, strong um, man and woman, uh, hopeless on the street doing nothing, you know, and without any opportunity. So we wanted to kind of to inspire them and 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 um, show them the, the 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 love of the sport and 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 what it can do to you. So we went there to um, to introduce them boxing, as they only know football really because of the president George Weah. Um, so they're only kind of interested in football and um, so much raw talent there. And um, so I also work now um, for the um, Boxing Association, the Liberian Boxing Association. So we kind of try to get events going there now. Um, they had nothing. They didn't even have a boxing ring in the whole country. So to to, to do something for the for the um, people, get, get some other ideas. Because I think if even if we change that one or two lives, 
at least we, we can we can we can do something. You know, we, we the aim is to get send people to the Olympics, certain professional to get fights. Um, now fighting in Africa also, um, it was the best um, thing ever. The loss I got there, I never had that had this in Europe. Um, and I fought in Ghana twice now. I'm not even from Ghana, and um, they're following me all over the world now. So they're coming to 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 Denmark and and filming the fight. So it's it's uh, it's so appreciated what what these guys are doing for me and. Um, I just feel I have to give something back. I want to give these guys hope that, especially if I can do it, starting boxing so late with 18 years old, then why shouldn't they be able to do something out of their life? So we just have to give them the the opportunities um, to do so. It's truly amazing, obviously, what you are doing there for, for, for the young guys that don't have the opportunities that a lot of people do have in this life. And it's it's really great story to hear. And, you know, obviously, I hope that, like you say, that even if it only changed one or two lives, it's it's changing one or two lives for the better. And, and I, I seen on your I seen on your social media that, you know, you were getting a lot of support from from not just your own country where you originated from, but obviously from from different fans across the world as well you know supporting what you do not just as as a professional boxer but as a human being you know being able to help these people that are in are in need of help and you know unfortunately are not supported by by the government in the same way other countries support the the the, the people that they have in there so it's great to hear what you're doing and, and obviously i'm pretty sure when people listen to, to to what you you're trying to do i'm pretty sure you know they'll they'll also really appreciate that um but just sort of touching on yourself again really and your professional boxing career before we come to a head you know in terms of, of what you have to do as a boxer as we were saying earlier the, the tickets you have to sell have you have you had the opportunity to have sponsors behind you to give you that backing to give you that support um no like the whole time i had never had really a sponsor no financial sponsor and um, it was really a struggle the whole time um because I'm here, I'm just one of thousands, you know, why should they sponsor me if they can sponsor somebody else um, who who is from here and who has a be- better fan base? Uh, so, um, but finally, I've got, I got a, um, a good guy working for me. He's a um, very good close friend of mine, um, Jason Scott, so he's, he's from the States. Uh, we went uh, he, with him to, to Liberia and he got me a sponsor right now, actually my first one, uh, Rio, um, the power of one, which is um, clothing, boxing clothing um, line in the U- from the UK. Um, so they just uh, started sponsoring me. Um, of course, I got a box behind me as well. They went with us to Liberia to help me out with, um, with, with clothing. And, and um, so it's like little little bits now coming together, especially after winning um, these two titles. So people start realizing, okay, um, the boy can actually fight. Um, let's see uh, how far can he go. No, you know what? It's an absolute crime that nobody else, apart from the guys you've mentioned, are actually not sponsoring you. You know, like I say, I've watched your career over the past couple of years. I've watched your fights. You, you know, you're a very good professional, and you know it's a, it's a real shame to, to sort of hear that. Actually, there's you know there's so many different companies out there, and you're based in in the capital of this country, and yet you know I know there's a lot of other fighters out there, but surely if anybody that listens to this interview with myself surely if 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 not already seen freddie then you need to go and check him out and and obviously look at what he's doing for boxing as a whole and freddie if if anybody wants to contact you off the back of this conversation uh to discuss a potential sponsorship how can they get in touch with you across social media 
Um, yeah, so social media, Freddie Kiewit, uh, Instagram and, and, and Facebook. Um, that's probably the, the, the best way or per email. Um, team Kiewit at gmail.com is probably the, the easiest way to contact me. Um, as I say, I, it's, it's, yeah, like you said, it's, it's a shame um, because I think I have so much more potential because I'm, I'm working as well. I've got a family as well and I'm boxing full time. So, you know, to to uh, to sort things out and, and still concentrate and, 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 and be so disciplined to, to go through all this, it, it takes a lot. So if, if someone can, like, take a little bit of weight off my shoulders, I think that uh, I, I, could, um, I could show them that would be all beneficial for them. Too. Yeah. A hundred percent. And like I just said earlier, if anybody is listening uh, and you're at this point of the episode, please get in contact with Freddie and, and discuss what you can do to help him. Even if it's just to take a little bit of weight off him to put put more time into his training to support his family at the same time, you know, it's truly appreciated. So Freddie, then let's just, let's just sort of wrap this up then and, and talk a little bit about some of the fun stuff of, of the sport. And, you know, you told me earlier that you were, talk, you were looking at guys like Roy Jones Jr. and Ali as sort of in inspirational boxers to watch if you was to go on to youtube now and type in a fight to go and watch which would be the fight you would look at oh like basically my favorite fight well yeah say you go to fight oh that's a good question there's so many great fights out there i think well so my head is just on on ali and and roy jones right now but there's so many other great fighters so i'll tell you i'll tell you in terms of in terms of what i like to watch then some of my favorite fights uh, just in general, not not because I want to watch it specifically for a reason. Yeah. So I very much enjoyed um, Gat- the Gatian Ward series of fights. Uh, Morales Barrera really oh, enjoyed yeah, them as well. Course, yeah. yeah, 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 definitely. Like these, these type, like the wars. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, they're, they're like great for boxing fans, not for the boxers itself, but <laughs> <laughs> great for boxing fans. Um, yeah, I think I love. Um, What's her, what's her name? Because um, I, I, I kind of like the guys, you know, that come in as the underdog and then they're just pulling the wrong. You know, when, for example, when Pacquiao, Pacquiao came up, it was a nobody and then he came and stopped the guys. And I kind of like these these styles more because it fits more to my style. Yeah. Even um, just now I spot with Julian Williams, who um, who's now world champion for super welterweight. Um, and he, he came, he lost before and he came... Uh, as an underdog against um, what's his name, Jared, Jared, Jared uh, and he came there and he destroyed him. And you know that that kind of it's it's such it's so good to see that you know people even if you have one or two losses, it doesn't define you. You know it it it, it should have just make you make you uh, stronger. I even trained in the camp um, Kevin Farmer in the states as well, and uh, he had four losses. And his story is incredible. You know, he he, he took boxing serious after that, and look at him now. Like he had a winning streak. He, he's a world champion now. So I kind of like these stories more when when you come as an underdog and then you just prove them wrong and and become a world champion. So. That kind of leads me nicely on to, to, to where you are, really, then, doesn't it? Because you've got two losses on your record, and now you've turned your career around, and you're on the path way to potentially getting yourself into the position to fight for a world title in the future, And which is why I said at the start of the episode why... I believe, you know, I think you're one to watch for this next 12 months for people to go and see what Freddie Kuwait is all about and see what he's like in the ring and, and get to see him involved in some of these big fights. 100%, 100%. Um, my trainer said it then. He said, you you promised me you would be world champion. And I always thought, oh, well, there's some, there's some pretty 
good guys in my weight, especially welterweight. You know, there's some animals in, in that division. If you look at all the world champions there right now, um, they're all pretty good. But you know what? It's, it's just it's just hard work and belief as well. Um, because sometimes you get that fight with short notice, and you know it only takes one punch sometimes, and 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 your life changed forever. If you look at Ruiz and and um, and Joshua. Um, you know, he had a loss before. He, he lost before, and he came um, as a replacement, and and he proved the world wrong. And I think these these are the type of fights um, I believe I, I can be after winning my next um, well the global. If I win the global um, fight against Clay, I'll be in the top ten in the WBO. I could get chosen any time. You know, so it's just you know you always have to be ready. You always have to be ready for whatever whatever happens. Yeah, 100%. Well, Freddie, it's been an absolute pleasure to hear your story and hear about your career from start to where we are now to where you're potentially going to go in the future. So, thanks so much for for sharing it with us and, you know, if anybody, like I said earlier, wants to get in touch with you, you've given your social media handles out now. Get in touch with Freddie, follow his journey, follow his career. If you're a business looking to help out a fighter, go to Freddie. He's your man. Thanks for coming on, Freddie. I really appreciate your time today. Thank you. I appreciate that too. Thank you for having me as well. Really, really appreciate it. So, guys, I really hope you enjoyed listening to Freddie's compelling story. I'm pretty sure you'll all agree it's more of a story than what people may have thought about Freddie before they actually knew him, or maybe people that knew of Freddie but didn't really know his background and his story. And I think it was a really enjoyable experience to to find out a little bit more about him and where he wants to go in his career. So, as I reiterate again, if you're a company looking to sponsor a fighter, Freddie he doesn't seem to have had any support at all and this is a perfect time to jump on the bandwagon with him because any support that you give to him is going to be truly appreciated and if he does get to that level where he's fighting for a world title then you know you're going to be part of that journey so it's a perfect opportunity to get in touch with him on social media and become part of the journey with Freddie Kuit. Guys, if you've enjoyed listening to it, as always, please go and let us know on social media at BTR Boxing Pod on Twitter and BTR Boxing Podcast on Facebook. Please rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Podbean or any of the available other podcasting apps out there. So thank you for listening to this episode of Once to Watch. We'll be back again soon with another prospect and another fighter who we consider one to watch. Podcast Network.